Well, we have the honor of having Apostle Dale Armstrong with us tonight. We're excited you're back safely from Ukraine. So. Yeah, maybe I should have gotten up and, and introduced a little bit. Um, so I'm just sitting there and the Spirit of the Lord's working on me and like, yeah, but you were supposed to tell them. Okay, so I asked Apostle Dale to minister tonight because I thought that it's fitting that we've made a, we've made a step. We're in a new place. And the founder of this church, I'm not, I'm not talking about the founder, Jesus, but the underfounder, Apostle Dale. That's a new word. The underfounder, yeah. That'd be good on a business card. I'm the underfounder. So, I thought it would, it would be appropriate to, to hear from him as we make this first step in this direction. And also, let's keep our faith. You know, our address changed, but let's keep our faith on our own place. Yeah. All right. Our faith on that has not shifted or changed at all. Our address changed, but you know, you can believe God from anywhere. Right. And so let's continue to believe God for a place that belongs to us, that we have um, all the liberties that that we're looking forward to. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for being here. Praise God. He's a good God. We've come so far and we have whole lot more to go on the journey and it's all a joy y'all do enjoy the journey i hope yes. amen That's right. it's not just about the destination it's about the journey yes. you know not, I, so for some of you you were there back in 2014 in january the lord spoke to me to accelerate uh, sydney into the pulpit and uh, put him in as, as senior pastor and the Lord told me to pack my suitcase. That I'd be traveling more than I ever had in my life. That was scary because I already traveled a lot. And he told me I'd be living out of my suitcase. I still am to this day. But if it hadn't been for you being in a position that, that God had brought us all as a family, I wouldn't have been able to take the next step into Ukraine, and Sydney wouldn't have been able to take the next step into pastoring. See, we're, it's all related, isn't it? It's all a tapestry. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that God reveals. Sometimes we don't see it till many years have gone by. And you don't think about how important one event was. You know, in 1993, that's a while ago, I laid hands on a Bible student in the city of Mariupol, Ukraine, in a building that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, he went out as a missionary to Argentina. He was 19 years old. A year later, I quit. I told God, I'm never going back to Ukraine or Russia. It takes too much money. It's too hard. You know, you said in your word that if I go out after the one the lost sheep, I come back, the 99 rejoice, I'd go to Ukraine and come. <laughs> and uh, so I, I told the Lord I quit. I don't, you know, I figure he already knows why I lied to him. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, some of you look at me weird. Oh, I thought he was a faith preacher. I am. Be honest about it. Amen. We'll get into that tonight. 
And uh, I, I said, Lord, I quit. And the Lord said, okay, go to Argentina. <laughs> I thought, what? I, I mean, I, I heard the Lord. So back then, we had our mail at a post office box. Do they still have post office boxes? And, uh, well, they don't have telephone booths. I didn't know about P.O. boxes. So I went to the post office, and I opened my box, and there was a letter. And I looked at the return address, and it was Argentina. And the Spirit of God came on me. I almost fell down in the postal right there, you know, by the table where you throw the junk mail. <laughs> You still you still get junk mail? Yeah. Uh -huh. So um, I, I wasn't planning on going this way, but Sid Sid said I could preach as long as I want. So uh, I opened the letter and it and it said, uh, "Dear Brother Armstrong, we heard that you travel all over the world and teach in Bible schools, and you never ask for any money. Would you please come and teach us?" <laughs> That's basically what it said. So I ended up in Argentina. And to make a, a long story short, uh, I'd been taught by a dear, dear friend of mine, Christopher Alam, that your last day on the, on the mission field, you should always rest. Because when you come home, you don't rest. You come home, your wife needs you, your children need you, you got things stacked up on your desk. And so I always have had the habit of resting one day before coming home. So I told the pastor in Argentina, I said, don't be offended now, but I'm going down into the center of Buenos Aires. I'm renting me a room at the Hilton, and I'm going swimming. I'm going to sit in the, in the sauna, and I'm going to eat at a nice restaurant, and, and I want to be alone. Go away. <laughs> so I did. And uh, about, about midnight, one, one or two in the morning, actually, I, I was hungry. And I went down to the desk because they didn't have, and the restaurants were closed in the hotel. And I said, is there anywhere around to be open all night where I could get something to eat? And the guy said, yeah, there's a sandwich place on the corner. So I went out on the street about one or two in the morning to get me a sandwich. And I'm walking up the street. And this white van came across the median with the windows down. With, with some guy had his head stuck out the window screaming, Dale, Dale. I thought they were going to kill me, to be honest. And they, and they come up on the curb and... The door rolls open and out five or six Ukrainians jump out. And here it was this young man and his missionary team. I can't get away from them. <laughs> Yevgeny. Well, Yevgeny went on and he, he, he uh, making a long story short. But see, this is what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you is you really don't know what God's up to till years have passed. You know? And uh, Yevgeny went on, he left Argentina, and uh, after he met a Catholic uh, uh, priest in Argentina who's now the Pope, used to pray with him. Wow. Yevgeny's visited the Pope about ten times now. He calls him and says, come pray with me. That's kind of interesting. And uh, so... Um, Evgeny moved to London and planted a church. We lost touch. And then supernaturally, God brought us again back. He saw me on television. And he reached out. We got together. And now, Evgeny being from Mariupol, 
that's been destroyed by the Russians, uh, Yevgeny's been amazingly used by God to save tens of thousands of lives. And uh, we've been able, you, the reason I'm telling this story, because you've sown money and prayers into Armada and into CWI, and then CWI sows into us. Sydney and Jen still love me, and they make sure I'm okay and help us. You all know that, right? And we, we just recently we were able to put three more vehicles, three SUVs with your money, uh, bringing people out of combat situations, paying for fuel, paying for medicine, paying for food. To the point now, Yevgeny's most recent request, I sat with him, we cried for a while. And he said, uh, Pastor Dale, in the city of Dnipro, there's over 5,000 families that ran away from Mariupol and they're now in Dnipro. And, and, and all the, the network of churches, we're ministering to them. We have where they're living. We're, we're, we're taking them food. We're taking care of 5,000 families. And he said, Pastor Dale, we don't know what to do. We can't understand how to teach effectively to combat this PTSD. He says, I know how to preach this sermon or that sermon, but Pastor Dale, so many of the children, uh, they can't deal with the fears. I mean, these kids have seen things and experienced things that you and I can't imagine. And even as close as I've been to the fire, so to speak, I can't imagine what they've endured. Uh, 5,000 families, can you imagine? So you agree with me, because there's some people here in the USA. Have you ever heard of David Barton? He's a friend of mine, and he, he's got some contacts with some spirit-filled generals that uh, have, have in the past volunteered to teach along these lines. We're going to equip some of these pastors with the tools to minister in all these facets. And, and I want you to know how much it means to me that we're all a part of this together. Hallelujah. See, your problem really isn't that big, is it? Yeah. I remember when my biggest problem was making the car payment. Oh, God, I wish those days would come back. <laughs> I'm sure David, he probably thought, I remember when killing grizzlies was easy. Killing lions, that was easy. These giants, dear Lord, what are you, what are you, what are you leading me into now? How many of you know... He can take care of the giants too. Amen? Amen. So, so we're blessed and we're moving forward. We just came back from holding uh, two pastor retreats. I never held, held a retreat in my life. I always call them conferences. But the Lord wanted me to use a word in Ukrainian that lets them know this is a place where you're going to be rested and refreshed. How many of you have ever gone to a conference and you went home and needed a vacation? I, I know I have. So no, we wanted to, we, these men have been working over a year, seven days a week, 18 hours a day for over a year. And a few months ago, the Spirit of the Lord got a hold of me and, and He said, I want you to take care of them. You know, I understand now when Jesus told His disciples, see all these people, feed them. And, and the disciples said, uh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, I got a couple little sardines here, 
and, and a couple little croissants, but what are they among so many? And Jesus worked His miracles. Well, because of you, we were able to take, uh, in near Kiev, we gathered 55 people. And when we paid for their lodging for three days and their food, it wasn't a lot of money, about 4000 And then we did it again, and Bob and Hawk, y'all know Bob Hawk? Be careful, because Bob will run on the backs of these pews. Those are, that's real. You're going to have to talk to the pastor here about that. If the, John can refinish them if Bob comes. But uh, uh, Bob and Jay, uh, Jay from Colorado, they, they took the initiative down near Odessa with Pastor Vitali. And uh, they, they also had about 40, 45. And uh, all we did was loved on them. I brought a friend of mine, David Weeder, who I hope to, to bring here. David, had, for 25 years, has been the personal assistant for, a, for a, a, a minister by the name of Kenneth Copeland. He's, he's anywhere Kenneth's been. Uh, David's been right there with him. And, and uh, he's learned a lot working as Kenneth's assistant. So I drug him off on his first uh, solo tour, so to speak. And he got to minister to these pastors. And he's crying on the train. You know, we had this long train ride. And he's crying. He says, you think it's okay? I feel like God told me not to preach to him the first night. All I'm going to do is stand up and say, I'm here in the person of Jesus Christ. And he, he, he wants me to hug you and tell you that he loves you. Good job. So we had an hour of him crying all over these pastors who were crying all over him. And it was beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And they left, their faces were different in three days. They didn't look like the same men. And uh, hallelujah, it was a wonderful time. So thank you for all of those things. I, I, I didn't want to get into the Word without taking a moment to thank you. And uh, we'll be here for a little while. Thank God for that. And uh, uh, obviously, please continue to pray for Terry, who pays the greatest price of me not being around. And I uh, appreciate all of you that look in on her and uh, help. And we even had somebody go in and, and uh, take all the squeaks out of my staircase. I came home and walked up a silent staircase and said, what's this? So Mr. Squeak is around here somewhere. Where's Mr. Squeaky? There's Squeaky's over here. He's over there. Jake, God bless him. And uh, so we'll be here until after Landmark. Can you say Landmark? We're going to have a landmark here, praise the Lord. We're going to have a wonderful time, and I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll drag, you know, five or six with you. Hallelujah. And it's good to have that drug problem. And what you, you bring them in and drag, drag them here, and, and we'll, we'll minister to them. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, open it with me to Matthew. We're going to look at a few things. Uh from scriptures that I believe determines a whole lot about you and about your future. Actually, Terry uh, is, is the one who provoked me in this vein. You know, we were watching a little, little movie she'd heard about called A Wing and a Prayer. And uh, so we, we, we looked that up and we're watching it on Netflix. And if you've seen it, it's a good movie. I encourage you to watch it. And good, clean movie. And... Uh, was it Randy Quaid, I guess, is one of the 
Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid is the, the fella. And the whole story, I won't ruin it, but, but, uh, he, he has to land a plane not knowing how because the pilot, uh, went on to be with Jesus. So, so he had to land this plane. So it's, it's pretty, pretty, uh, stressful or involved, you know. But one scene is there's these pilots in a hangar that hear about this, this crisis and this plane is coming into their airport. You know, and the pilot's dead and somebody's trying to fly it, you know, who doesn't know what he's doing. And these pilots saying, well, we better get out of here before, you know, we all die. And they're real negative. Negative. Can you say negative? Negative. Do you know there's negative people in the world? Now, I know there ain't any any of you in here, but we're going to talk about other people. (laughs) And Terry, she just spoke right up. She says, you don't think they'd... They wouldn't be that negative, would they? And I said, no, not if they're pilots. They wouldn't be that negative. At least so I wouldn't fly with them if they were. (laughs) See, just how many of you know whether you're positive or negative makes a big difference in life? I mean, what what are you going to say to a little boy who says, you know, I I don't want to play baseball because I heard you might get up there and strike out. Well, yeah, you might strike out, son, but you might hit a home run, too. And you're not going to hit a home run if you don't get up there. Yeah, but, but there's too many strikeouts in the world. I, I don't think home runs exist anymore. <laughs> now, it'd be silly, wouldn't it? But honestly, I don't think we realize how negative we are. I don't like negative people. Well, I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> Can I say that? I, no, let's say it a better way. I don't like negativity. Or I don't like negativity in people. And you don't have to be negative. Amen. And yet so many of us deal with it and we don't, and we're not even aware that it's in us. And the older I get, the more I hate it. I just spit on negativity right in its face. Amen. It's amazing to me, in the middle of a war, with now hundreds of thousands of dead, the, 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 the statistics are staggering and our media is lying. The bloodshed has been horrific. I, Pastor, uh, or excuse me, uh, David Weeder preached on a Sunday morning from Psalms 91. Though a thousand fall, at my left hand, and 10,000 at my right hand. It shall not come near me. Now, if you can't say that, you, you haven't even opened the door of faith. You have to recognize there is a positive element in how you read the book. And if you look at the book with a negative filter, you won't see your own deliverance when it's right in front of your face. So we got in a car after the service and they were, they were taking us an hour and a half, actually it was the next day, an hour and a half out to the retreat center. So it was just David and I and a driver who was one of the ushers in the church who heard him preach on Psalms 91. And we're going down the road, pretty good normal rate, you know, with traffic. 
And all of a sudden, he stopped and pulled over to the side and he starts pointing and speaking in, in uh, 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 Ukrainian. Well, I've been learning Russian and now everybody speaks Ukrainian. My, so I'm having a hard time translating it. But I've, I got it all figured out, translated it to, to David. He's pointing and we could see the ruins of it. He was driving down this same road uh, several months prior and a, and a missile landed right in front of his car. Should have blown him up in several cars in traffic. But it was a dud. It didn't go off. Now, I don't know about you, but probably a lot of you have been praying that these rockets fail and their systems fail and their, and their technology fizzles and their circuitry blows up, you know. A lot of dead rockets. And he's sitting there, he turns around and starts preaching Psalms 91 to the preacher that just preached it. A thousand will fall on my left. Not a thousand others who die, but a thousand missiles will fall on my left. And 10,000 missiles will fall on my right. And it will not come nigh me. Amen. Now look here in Matthew 14. I want to make sure we get some scripture in here. Jesus, verse 22 Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. That means they didn't want to leave him. But he said, get out of here. You bug me, boys. I want to be alone. Get out of here. Just shoo. And, and get into the ship and go before me to the other side. While well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he'd sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Everybody say to pray. I like what Larry Lee used to preach. Jesus always went from a place of prayer to a place of power. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. The reason I picked this scripture is because you can't really find, I, I, I can't find anything more ostentatious, more just hard, hard to find anything as high as this when we start talking about the realm of the miraculous. Jesus was walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they said, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. There is a fear of the supernatural. It almost kept me from being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I still remember my mother kind of finagled me to go to a full gospel businessmen's meeting because I was a, a high school football player and I ate nonstop. And so she said, this, uh, this meeting I'm going to be at is at Ponderosa. And if you'll come, uh, you know, you can have all the steak you want. Well, I'm coming. Amen. And uh, I, I, I like that. I'm a vegetarian. All my cows eat grass. And uh, so I went in there and I was a little bit late. And they were all singing these simple songs back then like, Hallelujah. You know, I mean, there was only like six or seven songs that anybody had. And, and uh then they started singing in other tongues. I had a full tray full of food. I was coming in late. And, and I almost dropped the tray because 
for the first time in my life, I encountered the presence of God in a room. I still remember it. Scared me. I dropped that tray and, and, and could hardly stand up. And then this, I'm sure God had it all arranged. Then this woman that was right in front of me, I'm looking at the back of her head. She, she takes off in a message in other tongues. Now you gotta understand, I never heard tongues in my life. I didn't know what a message in tongues was. And I went from afraid to scared. The supernatural can scare you. Yeah. Like Kenneth Copeland used to say, it'll scare the hell right out of you. Amen. And they were scared. They saw something that, 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 that blew their mind. This man's walking on water. And it's not a spirit. It's not a ghost. It's not a phantasm. It's, a, it's, it's Jesus. And Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. Now that's King James, you know. I mean, we got a song, I don't know, it was years ago. What was that song? Don't worry, be happy. That's Jesus right there, singing on the wave. Don't worry, boys. Be of good cheer. Amen. It's me. This is me. Don't be afraid. Well, that's what kept me going. It wasn't the Ponderosa stake. I knew it was God. I, I, I didn't know what it was. I was afraid. Because He is God. But I knew it was God. And thank, thank the Lord, I got some instruction and not, not long after, I, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. See, now Peter, on the other hand, you got 12 guys in this boat, but you only got one with a big mouth. You read the Gospels. Peter, has, he has a real tendency of putting his foot in it. He's not afraid to talk. And you know, at one time he even reprimanded Jesus. That be far from thee, Lord. Jesus turns his back on him and says, get thee behind me, devil. So, so they had some intimacy, right? So here's Jesus walking on the sea. And Peter says, Lord, if it be thou, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. You ever think about that? What is Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. Peter says, if it's you, I'm coming. If it'll work in your life, it's going to work in my life. If it, let me say it another way, you might be able to swallow it. If it works for Sydney, it'll work for you. That's really what's in Peter's heart here. He says, if you, if you can do it, I'm doing it. And Jesus said, come. Now, when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried and said, Lord, save me. And immediately, immediately, had to be pretty fast, because you ever fall in the water? Amen. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. So that, that means they're, they're looking at each other eyeball to eyeball. They've got to be this close, right? And Jesus said, what would you doubt for? Oh, thou of little faith, 
What'd you doubt for? Now, keep in mind, where's Jesus? Standing on the water. Holding him up while he's on the water. Saying, why'd you doubt? Where's your faith? You know what he didn't say? You know this don't work for everybody. It's like your uncle. He didn't get healed either. See, maybe there's some sin in your life. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe God has... Maybe, have you been baptized yet? Just now. <laughs> Do you understand how strong that had to be? And yet, when we talk about our failing to receive, we end up condemning ourselves. Oh, it must be so wrong with me. There's no room for self-condemnation in this realm of faith because it's by grace. Now, I want to really pound on this for a while. I don't mean to insult you, but there's a real good chance you're not any more spiritual than Peter. And if you're upset about your failure, are you, is that what you're saying? You're better than Peter? Because he got wet. You're just afraid of striking out a couple of times. You're just afraid of getting to the plate and swinging the bat. So, so I said, yeah, but I prayed and nothing happened. Well, Peter and James and John prayed and they couldn't cast the devil out of this little boy until Jesus showed up and he cast the devil out. And they came to him later and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, because you're unbelief. Boys, you want me to make it simpler? Do you want me to be gentle? Or do you, or do you want to realize that there is failure in this life? But just because there's failure in this life does not justify you being negative. Read, read Psalms 91 again and think about what it says. Though a thousand fall at my right hand and ten thousand at my left, it shall not come nigh me. What does that mean? That means there's 11,000 dead people. And you're still standing. You better than them 11,000? Probably not. Probably not. You better than Peter? No. The point I'm trying to, to, to drill home to you is your attitude towards Life and death, your attitude towards being healed or not being healed, your attitude towards success or defeat. You simply have to decide, I'm going forward. I'm going forward. This is a promise for me. It's the first promise God gave you. Do you realize that? Because that, this is your book, isn't it? It's got her name on it. This is her book. Oh, it's not her name. Unless your name's Expect a Miracle. But I thought that was her name. That's a pretty good name. What is the first commandment with promise? Honor your mother and father. 
So it shall be well with you and you shall live long on the earth. That's the first commandment we promise. You're supposed to get old. You're not supposed to die prematurely. But people die prematurely. Might be a thousand on my left and ten thousand on my right. They should have lived long. But they didn't. And it breaks my heart. I'm not here to condemn them. I'm here to probe you and poke you and say you don't have to be one of them. That's your promise. I'm going I'm to go out of here so old and cantankerous people are going to be happy to see me go. <laughs> Amen. You'll live long on the earth. That's a promise. It's the first promise. I was thinking just today, that's the greatest, that's the greatest verse on healing I think I could find. We teach it to our little kids. Hey, honor your mom and dad, you're going to live old. Yeah, but wait a minute. There was a fellow by the name of Winston Churchill. You ever heard of him? His father died in his late 50s. His grandfather died in his late 50s. So Winston Churchill just figured he'd die in his late 50s. So he decided to live his life to the fullest. That fellow lived to be, I think, 86. Amen. You know, just because someone else is... Has, has fallen. I'm not condemning them. I am condemning your dropping the attitude of victory when God's given you promises. So, well, 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 what if it doesn't work? You'd have been dead anyway. Swing for the fence. Well, but well, what, 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 what if I strike out? What if you hit a home run? The difference is being positive or being negative. Now, I just read you scripture about Peter walking on the water. But if you're honest, 99.9% .9 of the time, what we think about is him falling in. I don't care if he took three steps. He walked on the water. He walked on... He did it! And them 11 lazy boys... Couldn't tell their grandkids about it. Because they're back in the boat saying, we're behind you, Peter. Go for it. <laughs> now, victory belongs to the children of God. God wants us to set. He wants to set a difference between us. It's very difficult to sit in a room full of pastors who've done nothing but bury their dead and preach this message. But it doesn't change this message. And God preserves them. And then they start popping up kind of like they woke up. Oh yeah. The Lord told us to get out of this area and the bombs came in just shortly after we got out of that area. Yeah, that's right. you got to grab a hold of victory. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 57, one of my favorite verses today. Thanks be to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But thanks be to God 
who once in a while gives us the victory. No, he just simply gives you the victory. Somebody says, well, yeah, but he, he died. Well, that's what he's talking about here. You know, even if they kill you, it's, I've heard it's a pretty good retirement plan. I've heard heaven's a nice place. I mean, the worst thing that can happen to you is you be with Jesus. It's pretty wild. Amen. And most of the time, I think we go there to be with Jesus early because we haven't bit our teeth into having a purpose to stay here and stay put. Paul said, I don't know whether I should live or die. He said, I don't know. It'd be better uh, for me to go be with Jesus, better for you for me to stay. I guess I'll stay. That's what he said, right? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Victorious attitudes, a spirit of victory, will determine how you look at the book and how you see a promise like honoring your mother and your father and living long on the earth. That's, that's something I want to hold on to. Amen? Look over here in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. There, there's always victory in Jesus. Half of the fun of life is watching Him do it. How on earth are you going to get me out of this one? Amen. And I'm sorry I got here. Forgive me, Lord. I was stupid. But help! He always causes you to triumph. Now, back in the 80s, I was in Tulsa. And uh, I got involved in a sales organization. And I was 19 years old and I didn't know how to sell anything. Number one, you wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize me when I was 19. I couldn't talk to anybody. I, was, I didn't like to talk to anybody. I hated small talk. I was not cut out to be a salesman. It was the only job I could find. And... I went to this sales office every morning. There was a coffee shop with these amazing bear claws. Y'all know what a bear claw is? Oh, Lord, I can still taste them. And so I'd go into that coffee shop, and there'd already be five or six other of the, my coworkers, and I'd sit with them, and I'd go in there, and you know, almost every morning, what they'd start talking about? Nobody wants this product. You know what happened to me yesterday. And they signed and then their check bounced. Or, or they did this and then they had their BRC, the buyer's right to cancel. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, eating my bear claw, and cooperating with their negativity. People are negative. I hate negativity. I'd like to spit it right, spit right in negativity's face if you can get away with it. If you do that, don't tell them you come to this church. But anyhow, and again, I know you're probably bored because there ain't no negative people in here, but you probably know some. Probably got a relative or coworker 
but uh, we're going to kill negativity as best we can. I sat there. Now, this might come as a surprise to you, but with my coffee and bear claw every day and me associating with all this negativity, do you know my sales record was astoundingly terrible? I couldn't sell nothing. But there was this one fella, Don Rathman. He'd come in and grab his coffee and his bear claw, and we'd try to get him to sit with us. He wouldn't sit with us. Every day it was repeat. Don was going to his office, and he wasn't with us. And I don't know why, I kind of liked the fella. He's older than I was, but you could tell he was sharp. So finally, I stopped him in the hall. I said, where are you going? How come you don't sit down with us a little bit before business starts? And he says, because I got things to do, son. I said, is that right? Yeah. He says, last week I broke the, I wrote, I broke the sales record for the whole company nationwide. What? How much did you make last week? I, I, I don't remember what it was now, but I about cried. I said, uh, I'm your new best friend. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, uh, get used to it. What are we doing? I'm coming, I, I followed him to his office. We all had little cubicles. I want to know what he's doing. He's selling. That bear claw and coffee ain't selling nothing but lies. I was convinced you couldn't sell. And a a guy breaking the record for the whole nationwide company is right there in front of me. I didn't know he was there. Why? Because I'm looking at negativity. So I started following Don. And he he sold so much that the company in, in Tulsa, we covered five states. They broke it up into five different offices and they, then they broke it up again and broke it into city offices and he got the city of Tulsa and because I was his best friend and would not leave him alone, he took me with him. I started to sell. I, I, I started to make some money. And uh, I, I thought so, so much nice about it that he blessed me. I led him to Jesus. You're going to let me preach out of your boat? I'm going to load you up with fish. Well, he loaded me up with fish, so I preached Jesus to him. Amen. And uh, Don's still a believer. Terry met him. He, he was out fishing one day. We called him. He's out fishing with the Methodist pastor, his best friend. <laughs> now, how come I started selling? Because I'm such a good salesman? No, because I had an attitude change from negative to positive. That's all. See, faith begins by knowing God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God is a good God. And yet, you you approach the Bible with a religious view that you got passed down from you don't know where, from too many bear claws and coffee talking to the wrong people. And you read this Bible and you find scriptures that will condemn you. You, 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 you read one negative thing in here and you think, oh, that's me. No, you need to read, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And you say, that's me. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's enough to put you over in life. But, it, but it, you have to grab a hold of 
seeing the positive and refusing the negative. Because the negative will try to come in there. You say, oh, well, I'm a realist. No, you're a fatalist. Because reality is subject to change. There's quietness in Episcopalian church. Building. Amen. When Terry and I were pastored our first church, Faith Fellowship Christian Center, on the edge of a cornfield, no running water, no toilet. We had an elder. We had three elders. And they were all they'd all been praying in tongues longer than I'd been alive, except for Al. Al Wyant was was in his late seventies. He was a World War II veteran, and uh, for the younger crowd, you've seen. Saving Private Ryan, perhaps. So then you would know what a beachhead is. Al went through five beachheads. In Africa, and Italy, five of them. The average lifespan is less than a minute for most of those soldiers. Five times he had to jump on out of those boats and run up the beach facing the German guns. Can you imagine that? He wasn't a believer. He just, I think he was 19 years old. And uh, I asked him to teach a Thursday night prayer meeting one night. And he, he used that example in Hebrews about running the race. And he vividly told us all, I mean, we were spellbound, about five times how he acted. And I liked Al because he, he had the microphone and he didn't know how to hand. You remember that? He, I, he looked like a Catholic priest, you know, and he was. And Jesus said, and I'm like, Al, I, ju- I would jump up and bring the hand. I said, Al, I like, I like this, you know. You, somewhere we have the tape and it's like. <laughs> you know? And uh, he talked about the first time he, he was so scared. And he's in the back of the, that, those boats. I forget what they call them, but the, the front of them flaps down like a ramp. And they're, they're, they're pushing towards the beach and he's in the back and he's scared. He said, he said, you could smell fear. He said, guys are, they're so afraid they're vomiting around him. Well, yeah, I, I, I totally understand it. And he said he had this thought go through his mind. Alan's here. He remembers Al. And uh, he said, there has to be someone here who knows what to do. And he realized there was one older fella, a veteran, and he starts looking around to find him. He can't find him. And he finally locates him. He's at the front, up by the door. And you think, that's strange. He's, Al's back here in the back where it feels safe. This fellow that knows what he's doing is up front. And he, he, he thinks about it for a minute and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up there by him and I'm going to do whatever he does. See, Jesus said, if you hear me and what I say and do what I say, you'll be like a wise man. Jesus is positive. Do what Jesus says. 
Not what some preacher says about why prayer doesn't work. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Not ask and three books later, here's why it didn't work. Amen. So Al makes his way through the crowd. I remember Al saying he didn't think he could push through the crowd. But when people realized he was trying to go to the front, they let him by. And he got up beside this fellow. That didn't say anything. He's just watching him. And as they got close to the beach, you know, you got on this pack that's almost 50 pounds. You got your gun and, and, and you're ready to run. And he's watching this guy. And the guy reaches down and pulls out his K-bar knife. Which is a nice long. I have one. Real, real long skewer, right? Big knife. And he's thinking, we're going to face the German guns with a knife? But Al's made the commitment he's going to do whatever this guy does, so he pulls out his knife. Well, when that gate fell, and that fella jumps out first, he put that knife under the straps of his backpack, and he cut them loose. Now he don't have 50 pounds. See, he pulled it from Hebrews. He said, lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset you and run, boy. And uh, he said after he ran up that beach with just his gun, he looked back and saw all the bodies. He realized he, he could pick up a backpack later. He, he didn't need that backpack. But being free gave him the speed to dodge and to find cover. Well, he did that five times. Five times. So I asked him privately. I said, Al, I said, I can't imagine all those fellows around you dying and you got to do it again. I said, what, you, what were you thinking? You had to have something. In, you're either in total panic. What, what was going on in your mind? And he answered me instantly. He, he said, I was. I, had, I, I was thinking deliberately. He said, I, I had one thought in my mind every time I went to that beach. He said, someone's going to make it and it's going to be me. I never forgot that. When you got an old 78-year-old crotchety old cuss looking at you saying, somebody's going to make it. It's going to be me. And he made it. Five times. Oh, I grabbed a hold of that. Somebody's going to be prosperous and it's going to be me. Somebody's going to be healed and it's going to be me. Somebody's going to get their prayers answered and it's going to be me. Somebody's going to live long in the land. It's going to be me. Now, you can come along if you want. But you better dial in your attitude. You better grab a spirit of victory. You better recognize this word works when you work it. Say, yeah, but I've faced so much failure, Pastor. Yeah. And I'll cry. I'll sit down and I'll cry with you. I'm not denying the hardships, friends. 
I've stood by too many gravesites. I just have come back from a war. But a thousand will fall. Ten thousand will fall. It ain't coming near me. Oh yeah, but what if it does? Then I'm in heaven. Hallelujah. But while I'm here, and i got to run up that beach, I'm going to run. Because somebody's going to make it. And it's going to be me. Somebody in Lancaster's going to have revival. It's going to be this church. Somebody's going to win the loss. It's going to be us. Somebody's going to proclaim Jesus. It's going to be us. You getting anything out of this tonight? It amazes me. These men I ministered to, I'd sit and have lunch with them and I'd start crying. The quality of these men. And they know they know a they know a fifth of what you know. They know a tenth of what you know. But the, but they have this in them. They got a bit in their mouth. One young guy, he probably probably wasn't even thirty years old. Just a youngster. I remember I used to think that was an old man. Things change. The older I get, the younger Paul looks. <laughs> he comes up to me and he says, he's almost crying. He's real emotional. And he's got an interpreter that he grabbed so he could say a few words to me. And he comes up and I, I thought he had a maybe some question or a prayer request or something. And he, he says, Pastor, I... I, I I, I shouldn't be here. I'm not. I'm not really a pastor, and you, you blessed us and you paid for everything. And I just want to thank you, but I feel ashamed because I probably shouldn't be here because I'm not a real pastor. And I said, "Huh?" And he said, "My pastor ran away. Half of our church ran away, but I stayed, and the rest of the church just started looking at me." He says, I can't preach. It's, it's terrible. He says, sometimes all I do is just read the Bible for an hour. He says, he says when everybody ran away, there's just about 50 of us left. He said, they're, they're, half the church is gone. And uh, I just read the Bible. Now there's about 125 of us. What has he got on the inside of him? He, he's got the, the, the not quit syndrome. He's got a spirit of victory. And don't go trying to tell me how I don't understand because it's hard, Brother Dale. It's hard. It ain't, that fella knows hard. Yes, it's hard. But you've got promises. Hold on to them. Amen. Because if somebody's going to make it, he's going to be that kid. And you know, when I, when I think about going back, because they're on the front line, he's in Harkiv. They get hit every day. That'd be the place I'd like to preach. I'll go read the Bible for an hour. <laughs> Amen? That's what he has. He has that spirit of victory in him. Don't lose that spirit of victory. You say, well, yeah, but... Look at all those that have died. Yeah, they're, they're with Jesus. That's awesome. You're going to be there one day. I, I hope, hope it doesn't come as a surprise. 
You ain't going to live forever in this natural body. If Jesus doesn't come, if he don't come back one of these days, isn't that right, Paul? One of these days, these young fellows is going to wake up in the morning and they don't get out of bed as fast. I don't know exactly when it happened to me, but it's like, huh, what is that? Oh, well, I do remember. I remember a, a church softball game and they made, they made me short, uh, 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 yeah. Not third baseman, shortstop. And somebody hit a good grounder, I mean a zipper. And my 18-year-old mind remembered how to do this. But my 30-year-old body blew out both hamstrings and I fell flat on my nose. Paul said, that old carcass, it'll get old. Somebody says, yeah, well, I thought you believed in healing. I do. I'm going to live a long time healthy. But Paul said, this body will wear out. It's just clay. Amen. You say, well, your eyes aren't as sharp as they used to be. No. I'm glad my wife's sight isn't as good as it used to be. I still look good to her. God's wisdom. Don't take her to the optometrist. She might wake up and run away. But eventually you're going to be with Jesus. Eventually it's going to be, you know, your name on some piece of stone somewhere. Big deal. You're going to be up in heaven rejoicing. Amen. You better get a hold of eternity right now and live in light of that eternity. Because right. then you can really live here. Right. You can let loose. Get rid of the negativity in your life. Don't look at things in the negative. Force yourself to look at the positive. It's difficult sometimes. Find something good in every day, in every conversation. Somebody asked Billy Graham one time, I said, Billy, you're so positive. You, you, you probably got something good to say about the devil. Billy thought for a minute and said, well... He is persistent. <laughs> and that, 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 I don't really think Billy's a big proponent of the word of faith. But he understood having a positive outlook on life. Amen. Now somebody might listen to this and say, oh, see, there's that Armstrong. He's one of those positive thinking people. Well, let me see you fill a seminar on three days of how to think negatively. <laughs> you can't approach the Scriptures from a negative viewpoint and understand them. They weren't written for negative people. You have to look at this book and say, okay, like I'm looking in a mirror, how, how does this reflect on me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I dare you to believe that. I'll go out on a limb and I'll double dog dare you to believe it. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, what, 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 what is it? Any challenge in life. But at some point, and this is where I would like to get it to, at some point, 
you'll lift your your eyes even higher. That's why I wanted to show you about Jesus walking on the water. I don't know what the greatest miracle in your life has been, but are you going to make that your grave stone or your foundation stone? See, are you going to live in some spiritual nostalgia? Or, or are you going to take a little risk? Or are you going to step out? I, I remember uh, I had lunch with Andrew Womack uh, years ago. And uh, he brought his false doctrine to our church. Yes, I said it publicly. Andrew Womack preaches false doctrine. He preached that drinking coffee is a sin. So, it's true. I've been praying for him ever since. So I took him to lunch, a real fancy restaurant, and before they brought the food, I ordered an espresso. And I sat there and drank my espresso, and I talked with him. And I always had an openness to guest ministers. I would always very directly tell them, please, I'm here to learn from you. You, you've been at this longer than me. If you see anything in the church or, or in, in, in anything or in my life, or please speak into my life. I'm, I'm an open door here. I, I really appreciate your being here. God sent you. I'd, I'd share that with everybody and always had wonderful input. And I'll never forget Andrew. He, he didn't even beat around the bush. He said, you're too cautious, too careful, and, you, and you're afraid of risk. I was like, it was like he went, you know, and I'm like, me? My view of myself, I was the biggest risk taker on the planet. Are you, do you know where I came from? I was like totally shocked at his perspective until about four in the morning that next day because I wasn't able to sleep. And I realized I was, people must think I'm a coward. My Lord, I'm cautious. I didn't even see it. He, I remember, I'm not making this up. One of the things he said to me is he says, how come you don't have a plane? That's one of the things he said to me. Well, he didn't have a plane. But what he must have known by the Spirit is God had already been dealing with me and I wanted a plane and I wanted to learn how to fly and the Lord said, no, I've got someone to fly for you. And I've been waiting, and he's just been slow. <laughs> it's his fault, not mine. Yeah, he probably wasn't born in 1993. That was 93. Where were you in 93? You were 13 years old. Well, you can fly. It's legal. But it shook me to realize how much in me was distasteful and how little I was believing. See, what's the greatest prayer you've ever received in answer to prayer? Do you, do you understand that's just opened up a door that that one day ought to be one of the smaller ones? 
Not because, it's like, it's like uh, Zig Ziglar said one time. You want to talk about positive thinkers? Y'all, y'all know Zig Ziglar? Some of you are like, is that a real name? It's a real name. Right up there with Smith Wigglesworth. I think God does it to keep people humble. Gives them really bad names. You know, Zig Ziglar. Dale. I don't know. Probably Zig sounds a little better than Dale. <laughs> I always wondered if his brother's name was Zag. But anyhow, <laughs> true story. You have no idea the weird things I think sometimes. <laughs> Zig Ziglar said, you ought to make one of your goals in life is to be a millionaire. Not because you need a million dollars, but you need to become the kind of person that can earn a million dollars. Hello? See, it'll change you. And I, I remember I was sharing this with uh, Sydney, I think it was Sydney. No, it wasn't. It was David Weeder. Uh, years ago, God gave us a miracle on a building. And we, it was an amazing miracle for a church building. And we had to have it insured. Well, we had a miracle price. We paid a hundred. I was gonna, 120,000? I was gonna offer 150, and I was writing an email, and I had written 150. Do you understand? We didn't have $5,000. And I'm gonna buy this thing for $150,000. And Terry puts her hands on my shoulders and looks at it and starts laughing. Cause we ain't got 150,000. And she said, you know, if you're gonna believe for a miracle, why, why is it 150? Why don't you put 120? So I deleted it back and I put 120 and I sent it. And the next day they called me and said, when do you want to hang up your sign? Should have put 100. <laughs> <laughs> so then we got to get it insured. So we bring the insurance guy out and we got to insure that thing for three and a half million dollars. It was a nice building. That's a 19... 96, I think. 95. That's some money back then. And I'll never forget the insurance guy. He, he was a believer. And he's looking at this building. He's just like, wow, it's God. Wow, you paid how much? Oh, my Lord. Oh, there was, you know. And as he's leaving, he said, Pastor, what a blessing. This is a once in a lifetime miracle. And I said, No! No! I mean, I did just like that, right there in the door. Scared the tar out of him. No! I hate negativity. This is just the beginning. Once in a lifetime miracle. No! See, that ought to be the foundation stone, not the ceiling. See, what's the greatest thing God ever did for you? What's the greatest... See, don't, don't be comfortable like I was and Andrew Womack had to slap me up. God wants to do greater things in your life. Amen. God, if you, if you could turn on the positive view and go to the Scriptures with that positive view, every one of your desires would be met because every one of your desires would be crafted in Him. Most people are afraid of their desires. It might be wrong. Well, if it's wrong, get rid of it. If it's wrong, what you hold on to it for? Old, old fellow Ralph in a Bible study, he said, Pastor, I understand God meets your needs. But I don't understand 
Hey, you'd say, God, it meets your wants. I don't think God meets your wants. God just meets your needs. I said, oh, Ralph. I said, that's because your wants are so wicked. <laughs> I like country people. They're honest. And uh, that, I don't know, doesn't work as well in Lancaster as Titusville. But anyhow, for some people it does. You got some wicked wants. Get rid of them. Find, find out in here and, and fill your, your heart with there's so much that God wants to do in your life. Amen. So much. We're going we're gonna to do a whole lot more this year. We're, we're going we're gonna to see some miracles. You say, well, how's, how's, what do you think about the war? Oh, it's, it's getting worse. But Jesus gets better. I, I think the world, I don't know if you're, I don't know, this might shock you, but I think the world's heading to hell. In a handbasket. It ought not surprise you it's getting worse. But He's getting better. The light gets brighter. The light gets brighter. Amen. Oh, but it's just so hard, Brother Dale. It's so hard to keep going. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to make it. How am I going to make it? Right here. There was a pastor talking to Lester Summerall, and I'll try to close. This is wrong, right? This one here. Yeah, that's not right. Uh, you said you changed that, but you turned it the wrong way. I think Barry, you changed that the wrong way. Can't be that late. So, Lester, he says, uh, he's talking to this pastor in California, uh, and one of these guys had gone seeker friendly. And I don't want to get into that, but it's for babies. But anyhow, he starts crying to Lester. I, I, I'm just burned out. I, 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 I don't know what to do. I'm going to leave the ministry. I'm going to quit. This is too hard. Brother Lester, it's too hard. I just, I can't make it. I'm burned out, Brother Lester. Burned out! Lester said, Ah, shut up. You ain't burned out. You never been on fire. <laughs> I like that. I want to be like that when I'm 85. I like that. I'm already like that. Oh, thank you, honey. Uh, see things positively. Yeah, but I might lose my house. Good. God just may have a better one for you. If I had a dime for everybody that came to me and said, they, can't, they come for prayer crying because they're going to lose their job or they lost their job. And 30 days later, they come in shouting because they got a better job. It's like, what was wrong with you somewhere in there? Oh, I'll tell you what was wrong. You walked on the water, but you went splunk. Amen? I don't know why I'm holding this. You keep looking at me like you're kind of scared. I, I have no idea why I picked it up. I just thought it was pretty. Debbie just asked for a double anointing. 
I preached for an hour and 45 minutes on the double anointing in, 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 in Kiev. And then in the end, I asked one of the interpreters, I said, I need some oil. Is there any oil? Oh, I'll get you some. And they brought me one of these little tiny vials somebody had on their keychain. And I'm thinking, we got to fix this. That's not the anointing I want. That's the anointing right there. That's So to be positive, and <laughs> I haven't even got into my sermon, by the way. Go with me to Mark and I'll close here. I literally barely got to the preface. But you can't see these things if you don't have a positive perspective of victory. To know that you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're the pastor said it earlier. You're the head and not the tail. Somebody say, yeah, but I can't even pay this or I can't even do that. I, I mean, look at the economy and the bank system and, and look at all. You know, what? your life might be a whole lot better if all you had was faith. One of the greatest things I learned from Oral Roberts was he, he said, uh, you know, that job is not your source. You know, some elder, elderly person came to Oral and said, uh, you know, I'm on a fixed income. Well, wait a minute, who told you that that was fixed? Because you've made the IRS, you know, or the Social Security, you made that your source? Who, who said you had to do that? Amen? And so Oral started preaching, God is my source. So, so maybe sometimes that'd be the best thing happening is you'd find out what you believe real quick when you, when you don't have a job, when you don't have this, when you don't have that. Somebody said, what oh, do you think it's God's will that I don't have a job? Well, I didn't say it was God's will that your needs go unmet. He said He'd meet all your needs. Who said you'd have to have a job to do it? Now, then there's the idiots who go out and quit their job because they say they're living in faith, but they're just lazy. That's a different sermon. Amen. Amen. Some fella saw, you know, they heard about Kenneth Copeland gave away his car and he got blessed and got another one. So they go and give their car and they walk for a year. Keeping our eyes on, on faith in a positive vein will take you from cursing a fig tree. I want you, I just want you to see what Jesus did here. In Mark 11, you can read it. He, Jesus is on His way to the temple and He curses a fig tree. How did He curse it? He spoke negative things. The Bible calls that a curse. I remember a fellow in my old Methodist church. Uh, we had, we, him, my, my dad and I visited him at his house. We'd never met his wife and kids, I guess it was. And he introduced his two daughters, which are probably eight, eight or ten years old. This time I was about 18. We're starting a ministry, a youth ministry in the school. And he, he, he was going to help us financially. And he introduces these little, cute little girls. I'll never forget what he said. He said, Hey, I want you to meet my little brats. They're spoiled rotten, but they're mine. Something like that. And it just, it just provoked me in my spirit. You know, the Bible says when you speak negatively, it's a curse. 
Get that negative speech out of your vocabulary. Well, those girls grew up and they're brats. I'm telling you. You say, well, do you think that really impacted them? Oh, I know it impacted them. Could they overcome it? Sure. And so can you. Because I had a lot of bad things said about me too. You, you overcome it with the Word of God. Amen. Don't let what other people curse you hinder you. But don't you join in and don't be given to cursing or speaking negative. Jesus, unless you need to, some things need to be cursed. Like a barren, unproductive tree. Amen. Now, they came back the next day. Verse 21. Mark eleven twenty-one, And Peter calling to remembrance. Now, I don't know about you, but it just happened yesterday. How come he had to call it to remembrance? I'll tell you why. Because they had full days. They'd gone in and cleared out the temple with whips. Jesus did. They were busy about other things. If you got to call it to remembrance, this is just something that just happened. It just, it just, it just kind of was there. Right? That's life in the spirit. So Jesus, Here's Peter calling to remembrance. The fig tree that you cursed. Look, it's withered away. Jesus answered and said, have the faith of God. King James here says, have faith in God. That's not what the Greek says. It has, says, have the faith of God. Um, I, can, I can go into the Greek, but I can also just look at the context in the English. Nowhere does he say believe in God. He says, believe that the things that you say will come to pass. He says, believe that you receive them and you will have them. He never said, believe in God and your prayers will be answered. That's a different sermon, but look at what Jesus did to Peter. Look at the fig tree, Peter says. Jesus says, Peter, look at the mountain. Quit looking at the fig tree. Yeah, but look, Jesus, the fig tree you curse, it's withered away. Peter, look at the mountain. You, you got to get a hold of this principle, Peter, and you won't get a hold of this principle looking at fig trees. This will work bigger than your fig tree. What's the biggest miracle you've had in your life? Start finding a mountain. Amen. Some of us have seen our faith falter over an airplane. Wait till there's two. Ha ha, he he, ho ho. <laughs> Terry asked me to throw some stuff away out of our garage. I don't know if there's an AA for pack rats, but I'm a member. I might be able to use this someday. It's hard to throw it away. And uh, I'm looking through some stuff because i got to look through all of it before because there might be $100,000 hiding in here somewhere. I'm not going to just throw this away. And I find a letter from 1986 
with a photo. And the letter is from the Zirkles missionaries in Guatemala, whom we were partners with. And there's a photo, black and white. Y'all remember black and white? And on the back, it's written in ballpoint pen. Back when you, you, you didn't send the photo by email with a selfie. You actually wrote on the photo. On the, some of you kids need instructed the way it used to be. It says on the back, our new plane. And I'm looking at this plane. 1986, there's Kenneth Copeland giving a six-seater airplane twin prop to the Zirkle missionaries. And I'm thinking, 1986 and we're still small. It convicted me. I took a picture of it and sent it to David Weeder. said, here's some history for you. No, no. If I could get you to raise your eyes to a mountain, don't be afraid of a mountain. In your life. You say, well, I don't know what it, even what it might be, Pastor Dale. That's where you start. You don't have any desire. How about just looking around? How about believing God and paying off your car? How about believing God and now your car's paid off, blessing somebody with it? Amen. Blessing somebody with a car is so much fun. I remember Terry and I gave away a van. That thing bounced around to like six people. It would not die. We gave it away because we thought it was dead. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. But anyhow, <laughs> it's fun to be above and not beneath. Are you above and not beneath? I know probably none of this, you can't relate to this because there's no negative people in here. But let's stand up in case there is. And let's pray together. And then we'll turn it over to worship and pastor. But if there is, just look straight ahead and keep smiling and nobody will know this is for you. Amen? Thanks be to God. Come on, lift your hands up. Thanks be to God who gives me victory. Say it out loud with your mouth. Thanks, that's scripture. You're just quoting scripture. You're not quoting a crazy preacher. Thanks be to God who gives us a victory. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If somebody's going to walk in victory, it's going to be me. If somebody's going to be prosperous, it's going to be me. If somebody's going to be healed tonight, it's going to be me. Now praise Him. Come on, praise Him with your mouth. Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you, Lord, for this building. Thank you, Lord, we lift our eyes up to the mountains you have before us. Thank you that you stir our faith to greater things. Thank you that we believe to give more this year, to sow more this year, to conquer more this year for you and your kingdom than ever before. More souls, more souls this year than CWI has ever seen come into the kingdom of God. In this year, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody has... Sometimes my mind freezes when my spirit is alive. I don't know how to explain this. What do you, what do you call that when your stomach ruptures from... No. Huh? Hernia. If, you, if you've been struggling with a hernia, come up here right now. God's healing power is available for you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Boy, the anointing's there. <laughs> Woo, receive it. It's all over you. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Thank you, Lord. Stretch your hands towards Aaron Ray. Father, we speak to this hernia in the name of Jesus, and we command it to be repaired and restored by an operation of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And for what he's been standing and being stubborn in the spirit like an old mule, he receives right now in the name of Jesus. Ah! Take that, devil. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, la mare hestese. Someone's having, having trouble with car, carpal tunnel. What do you call that? Your carpal tunnel? Is that the right word? You can tell I'm a, a medical genius. Praise the Lord. If you've had problems with your pain in your fingers and your forearms, come forward. The Lord wants to. Is that right? That's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, you just want, yeah, a hog for all of it, huh? He's a, he's a, whoo, he's a sponge. Is there anyone else? Carpal tunnel. Oh, Lord, we, we thank you right now for your healing power. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus for your healing power in these hands and in these forearms. Carpal tunnel, you're under the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is far above. Be healed in Jesus' name. Pain, I command you to go. Stiffness, I command you to go. In the name of Jesus, somebody's hearing just improved and you recognize it. I don't know who but lift your hands up and thank him because your hearing just improved. Glory to God. Glory. Let's not wait for revival. Let's just go on and have one. Yeah. Glory to God. We speak to those legs to be healed in the name of Jesus. We command all pain to go in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Take it away, brother. Take it away. Amen.
someone's going to be made whole, and it's going to be me. Someone's going to be thankful, and it's going to be me. Someone's going to walk in the supernatural, and it's going to be me. We're not content anymore to just go through life and live a mediocre Christian life, a life of medi- mediocre victory. No, it's time. It's time that we begin to believe for the impossible things. Much too big for our shoes, right? Believe for the miracles that are just so radical, it'll shake even the news media. Let, let's just believe God, right? If someone's going to have faith, it's going to be us. Church of the Word. People full of faith, full of life, full of Jesus. Lay your hand on yourself and say, I commit to you, Lord. I am your servant. I am yours. I am not my own. I will walk in the supernatural. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is working mightily in me. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we bless you. Thank you for being good. Thank you, Lord, for being kind, full of mercy. Father, thank you that your compassion has always provided a way. Thank you that you've given us victory. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us the head and not the tail. Thank you, Father, that you have seated us with Jesus in heavenly places. And I bless you, Lord. Someone say, with God, all things are possible. vacillating between Psalm 84 and Luke 17. I, what I am going to share with you, I shared with Jake before the service. And it goes so perfect with the sermon tonight. So the story of the ten lepers. Ten lepers were crying out loudly from a distance to the Lord for mercy and seeking the Lord for something. And he said to them, be healed, go your way, go to the priest. He kept the law, you know, Jesus kept the whole law. He said, go to the priest, and as they were going, they were all cleansed. One of the 10 saw that they were he was cleansed and he turned around and came back to Jesus and as he was coming it says with a loud voice he glorified God and then fell at his feet in worship and he said from his heart a thankful heart how grateful he was that Jesus cleansed him one 
And Jesus looked. I, I think he went like this. He looked. He said, he was astonished. Wasn't there ten that were cleansed? But where are the nine? Why is there just one here? And I think in the heart of Jesus, he desired to give them far above the cleansing all 10 of them he wanted to give them more he wanted to upgrade them from just the cleansing he wasn't in the cleansing he was in the wholeness but one glorified him thanked him and worshiped him and he said rise go your way your faith has made you whole now there's a difference be, between healing and wholeness yeah. healing they were the, the leprosy stopped in their body but wholeness if he was without fingers and toes they were back he made his body whole again one person out of ten glorified him worshiped him and thanked him with a grateful heart and jesus said your faith has made you whole there's something about glorifying and worshiping and thankfulness in your heart that honors so honors the lord that it elevates your faith for the more that jesus has for you so this week i'm encouraging all of you to spend time in the presence of the Lord and give him all the glory. Remember all the things he's done for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will do more over and above anything you could ever hope or dream. And he hasn't already laid up for you before the foundations of the earth. All you have to do, right? Believe, receive, thank him thank him for it because he wants to do so much more for all of us amen amen someone's going to be made whole and it's going to be me someone's going to be thankful and it's going to be me someone's going to walk in the supernatural and it's going to be me We're not content anymore to just go through life and live a mediocre Christian life, a life of medi mediocre victory. No, it's time. It's time that we begin to believe for the impossible things. Much too big for our shoes, right? Believe for the miracles that are just so radical, it'll shake even the news media. But let's just believe God, right? If someone's going to have faith, it's going to be us. Church of the Word. People full of faith, full of life, full of Jesus. Lay your hand on yourself and say, I commit to you, Lord. I am your servant. I am yours. I am not my own. I will walk in the supernatural and I thank you, Lord, that your Word is working mightily in me. Hallelujah.
So, um, I didn't plan to be here tonight. Um, it's actually by my words that I'm here. Um, and something that's been stirring up in me the whole night has been what God's been doing in my life just over the past couple of days. Um, so, as many of you know, Kurt Owen was with us, um, it was what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And he had talked about swinging your sword. And one of the things that the Lord got a hold of me with is daily making confessions, like half-hour confessions, doing and literally copying, seeing someone's faith and imitating their faith. And so what I've done is I've literally set timers on my watch for every 30 minutes for the past three or four days and have just made daily confessions. And one of them that I want to share with you is I have been confessing that I have a, a, a very severe addiction to speaking the Word of God over my life. In every circumstance, no matter how much it may annoy people, I don't care because this Word will work for me and my family. It will work for you and your family. It will work for you and all of the ones that you want to see come into the kingdom if you continue to confess it. And I am telling you, over the course of just three days, I have seen miracles with my words working and accomplishing what I have told them to do. Just as a quick testimony, I told Pastor Sid a couple of days ago that I was gonna be going fishing today. It was supposed to be an all day thing. I didn't know what, you know, that's why I looked the way that I look. I was out on the boat all day and I had said, I have literally been speaking to the fish all week. I said, I will catch the biggest fish. We will catch multiple fish. Let me tell you, we talked to multiple fishers out there today. We caught six fish. Everyone else caught one or two. And guess who caught the biggest one? And one of the things I said is that I will be able to come to church tonight. And here we are. Your words will work for you if you make them work. You have to be the one to put in the work. And I think it's what the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying right now is yes, we're in church right now. This is all awesome. Hallelujah. Yes, whatever. What happens when you leave that door? Are you going to do this? Are you going to commit to using your mouth to steer the course of your life into the things that God has put into your hearts? There are multi-million dollar people sitting in this room right now that are not speaking it out that think that that's too big of a goal. Well, I'm telling you right now, God has commissioned this church. You were all here the night where he gave the word. There are things happening for each and every one of you that you need to start acting on. I am speaking directly to myself as the rest of everyone else. We are commissioned, and the time is now for us to take hold of the desires that God has put inside of our hearts and make them happen, because he's not going to just do it for us if we won't allow him to with our mouth. Thank you, Shane. Doesn't the pastor close? What are we waiting on? I don't know. But it doesn't feel right on the inside to close yet, so we're just going to wait a little bit. 
You know what Shane said about... He spoke, I heard him do it. He spoke to the fish. He said how it was going to be. And then we prayed together and we agreed that that's how it was going to be. And it's just fish. In fact, we even said that God created those fish for this moment in time to bear testimony to how His words are going to work for Him. That's what we said the other day when we prayed. And they're just fish. You know your words will work that way for you too when it comes to sharing the gospel. When it, when it comes to being fishers of men. When it comes to finding the one that needs to hear it today or tomorrow or the many, right? Are we putting our words to work to us You know, we don't want to just continue to come to a building that um, we always see the same faces and that's it. Go out there. Go fishing. Catch some fish. Make believers out of them. Bring them to church with you. Right? Be fishers of men. Fishers of men. Someone say, I am a fisher of men. Father, I lift these people up to You and I ask You to take what we heard tonight by Your Spirit, seal it on the inside, that it'll bring forth fruit and it'll bring forth action and it'll bring forth change in the name of Jesus. We are the most faith-filled, positive people that we know. And Father, I thank You that by Your Spirit You would arrest us when we get out of that, when we begin to speak negativity or speak doubt or speak fear, but Lord, that you would arrest us in that moment so that we can make the adjustment and come in line with you. Father, I lift up our service tomorrow in Richmond and I ask you to, to touch every person that's going to be there. Cause your your word to come to life on the inside and by your spirit Lord minister to them and and give Apostle Dale the words to speak and and all those that are driving down Lord I ask you for favor for them in the traffic and 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 safety as they travel and and for us flying Lord that things would go well and that we would go with you and come back with you and see Jesus glorified all day One way that we love God in this place is we love on each other. And that looks like checking in with each other. Are you doing all right? Is there something I can believe with you for? Do you need anything? Not just the pat answers of how are you? I'm fine. Maybe maybe ask the next question. Well, is there something I can believe with you for? And let's come together in faith and in unity greater than ever before and see Jesus glorified. You are dismissed and free to go.
Well, good evening to you all. It's good to be here. How about you? Are you glad to be here tonight? We're going to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you're giving by credit card, we appreciate all of the blanks being filled out. But before we... Um, before I encourage you in the matter of tithe, I just wanted to say a few remarks from my, from my heart. You know, there were difficult moments on Monday, but I want to speak to the beautiful moments because there was beauty in that day. There really was. There was so much help that we didn't have enough for everyone to do. That's a great problem to have. You know, I saw people just jumping in and saying, oh, you need help with that? Here, I'll help with that. Finding a job and just doing it. Being willing and quick. I mean, it happened so fast. I couldn't believe how quickly we were done. I saw one another, I saw people laughing and, you know, having fun. Young people having fun. I saw people hugging each other. I saw people saying, are you okay? Are you okay? I saw people praying for others, encouraging them, saying, you know, speaking into their life things. I saw love in action. And it was just beautiful. It was family. Good job, guys. You guys are the best people. I don't think there's a better congregation. I just don't. So anyways, I was so pleased. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe. So if you want, you can turn to uh, Genesis chapter 28. And I want to encourage you to return the tithe from a heart of covenant, not from... You know, we should be intentional to not just go through the motions of it. It's an act of covenant with the Lord. It, it is an act of honor, but it's acting, um, in entering into covenant with the Lord. So we're making an outward demonstration of something we believe in our heart. We're saying, Lord, you're my God. I'm submitting to you. I worship you. I'm serving you. And I'm putting my trust in you to protect me, to provide for me. Uh, to see me through. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 20, Jacob said this. He says, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me, see that's protection, on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, see that's provision, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. Then the Lord will be my God. What is that to make somebody someone, your God. Well, it's recognizing their place over you and you taking your place under them. That means you're taking orders from someone, not giving them, not create. you know, you're under the Lord. You're submitting to his purposes, his will, not yours. And you're, you're committing to serving him, committing to worship him. So that's what he's saying here. If you will, then you will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So there was an outward action to what he said he believed. Lord, be my God. You'll be my God. Here's this outward demonstration of this, this uh, covenant he's stepping into with the Lord. He's going to be his protector. He's going to be his God. He's going to be his provider. And, and I demonstrate this with this outward action. So how about you? How about me? Have you made the Lord your God? Is your eye on him? 
Are you trusting in him to provide? Are you trusting in him to protect? Well, that's what we do when we, when we tithe from a, from a heart of covenant. So I'm going to encourage you to do that tonight. So let's take a hold of our tithe or your offering. Let's pray over that. Present it to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're here with us tonight. And we just say here collectively, be our God. We want to worship you. We want to serve you. We want to give you our life. Not our will, but yours. Not my purposes, but yours, Lord. And so we thank you that we can depend on you to protect us. We can depend on you to provide. We acknowledge you as a sustainer of our life and a good one. You're a good God. We recognize that all good things come from you. And so as part of our worship, we present the tenth of all of our increase to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give to the Lord. Before I go into the announcements, we have a very special birthday in the house tonight. Uh, Rebecca's sister from England, her sister Kate, is having a birthday today. So we need to say happy birthday, Kate. Everybody clap for her. (laughs) We're so glad you're with us as well. And I so appreciated having... I can't think of your name, sir, but having your help, you are such a cheerful help. (laughs) We appreciate you being there Monday. And Silas's birthday today, is he in the house or is he back? Well, if he's not here, if he's serving somebody, just, just tell him happy birthday, bless him, encourage him. Tomorrow we have a service in Richmond, Virginia, so there's a number of you going along and we appreciate that support and we also appreciate your prayer support um, just believing that God's will is accomplished there and everything he wants to do takes place in that service. Youth and young adults, uh, impact is tomorrow evening. Prayer, worship, and practice is at 5 and service is at 6. So it's here at the new building. All right. I guess I'm by turning it back to you, Pastor? Or Well, we have the honor of having... Apostle Dale Armstrong with us tonight. We're excited you're back safely from Ukraine. So, Okay, I just wanted to um, share a few things that have changed now that we've changed locations. So the first thing that we are going to uh, change is when we dismiss the children, they are no longer going to be going, you're not going to be walking them to their classrooms anymore, except if you have someone in the nursery. That The nursery is running as usual as it was at the old location. So when we dismiss the children, we'll go out the sanctuary doors and turn left, and there's a hallway that is, there's a children's ministry table. It is going to be our central check-in table and spot that you would come find your child if their number were to happen to come up that they would need you throughout the time of the service. So you will go walk them up to the children's ministry table, and juniors can sign themselves in as we've been doing, but if you have a child in 5K elementary or preschool, we would ask that you would find their name on the clipboard and sign, sign them in. And then they are going to line up with their teacher of the night in the hallways. So I'll be back there tonight, and we will get everybody used to where they're going to find their teacher of that night for that class 
each week. And then once the sanctuary is cleared out, we have all the children for the classes. It's not a long process, so um, we'll be able to do that within a couple minutes. The teacher will walk each class to their room. So we won't have parents dropping kids off in classrooms anymore. The, the hallways are smaller, and we're just, just going to keep kids and teachers back there. There is a little spot that you can go around to get to the nursery, though, if you're dropping off a nursery child. And then at the end of the service, they will be notified that worship is starting. We will try to get them back in here as soon as possible for the worship part. But they will not be waiting for their siblings anymore. Each class will just come in the back, and the teachers will have them quietly walk to you. So you may only have one child, and then the next child will be showing up. But they're, they're going to have some instruction on that tonight as well. And then... There is, we don't have the number system that we had at the old location, so um, we will be working on getting something where we can put a number up on the screen, but until we have that in place right now, either um, Paul or myself or, or Alicia will be coming to get you if one of your children needs you during the service. So um, the children's ministry teams have our phone numbers, and they will get a hold of us that way until we get the number system working. Then once we have that again, then it will run more like normal. If you see your child's number up on the screen, head to the back, but don't go to the classroom. Go to the children's ministry check-in table, and that's where your child will be unless you have a nursery child, and they will be. you can go to the nursery then. The other thing, and this is to the kids, so if you come early with your parents, there's lots of hallways here. So we're going to ask you that you either stay with your parent or find somewhere in the lobby to sit and not be running through all of the hallways throughout all the parts of the building if you're here. So that's one thing that is for uh, an instruction for the children. Because that's what we are, is we are a family. And I was so pleased to see how that um, everyone just had such a great attitude and was helpful and just, it was, it was, I was just blessed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I might have even grown a little bit. <laughs> the other thing I was really blessed about was how much, how you guys walked in love. We had some challenges for those of you that were there, you know, and yet I watched all of you walk in love walk righteously, walk right. I was just so blessed. I'm like, I, Lord, you've put me amongst the best people on the planet. And so thank you for allowing the love of God to move in and through you and keeping your eyes fastened on the one. Right? Live, live for an audience of one. I think I saw that on a, someone's cell phone recently. Live for an audience of one. Because that's that's what matters. All right, one more thing. Um, without, you know, we could go down the list and thank all the different people that helped, but that would get really long because there was so many of them. Um, however, there is one person in particular that just organized everything. You already know who I'm talking about. She got everyone in their right places to help, had organized where to put things, and I was just so blessed. I, I was hoping, I wanted somebody to step up and take charge of all of that. And Debbie did that wonderfully. So if you would, just uh, let's honor Debbie by standing up, giving her a hand. Debbie, come. Yeah, you can.
כן, כן. We'll cry together, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I pray that every pastor, you may be seated, every pastor has a Debbie. Barry wouldn't agree with you. And thank you, Barry, because I know that it's a sacrifice at home as well for all the time that you have sowed your wife into this ministry, so thank you. Just stretch out your hands to Debbie. Let's pray for her. Father, I thank you that you have given us Debbie, and I ask you to bless her, bless Barry. Father, just cause them to increase and flourish in all the good ways. Thank you, Lord, that you have given them a grace given Debbie a grace to be able to organize and administrate and, and in the gifts of helps. And Lord, we honor that and we thank you, Father, for these things in Debbie. So just bless her mightily in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. Hallelujah. We have people from all over the world with us tonight. Ukraine, welcome home, Apostle Dale. He'll be bringing the word later tonight, so if you're in the children's ministry, be sure that you go online and listen to the rich word that's always brought in this house. And then we have people all the way from Colorado with us. Michelle Mast is with us from, from the church out in Colorado, so be sure to love on her. And then from five counties all around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 